Hey y'all, I'm Casey Bell of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today is Weston Kieschnick. Wes is a senior fellow at the International Center for Leadership and Education. He has more than 14 years of experience designing, developing, and delivering leadership training and professional development to educators around the globe. He's also the author of the best-selling book, Bold School, Old School Wisdom plus New School Innovation equals blended learning that works. He's a passionate teacher, a football coach, a former school administrator. He's also been recognized as one of the nation's top 10 experts on blended learning. If you have an interest in incorporating more technology in your classroom and using a blended learning model, then this episode is for you. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode with Weston Kieschnick. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. I'm so excited today to welcome a very special guest. He is a senior fellow for the International Center for Leadership and Education. He's also the author of the best-selling book, Bold School, Old School Wisdom, and New School Technologies equals blended learning that works. Our guest today is Weston Kieschnick. How are you, Wes? Uh, Greg, I'm great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And first of all, congratulations on all the success you've had with the book. It's a great read, and I uh, certainly encourage all of our listeners to run out there and get a copy of Bold School because I know it's been a game changer for a lot of people. I also know you're out doing a lot of speaking. I had a busy summer, a busy fall. Just got back from the great state of Alaska. I sure I, did. I can't wait to hear about it. What was that like? It, it was incredible. Literally, I've been I've been back from Alaska now for about twelve hours. Um, and it was uh, if if you're listening out there and you've never been, um, go go to Alaska. Go early. Go often. Uh, if if it's one of those things that's on your bucket list and you're not sure if you should keep it there, keep it there for a couple of different reasons. Uh, the educational leaders I worked uh, worked with out there were uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Just just amazing school leaders uh, interested in doing incredible things things for kids. Um, and it's such an eclectic population of people that live up there in Alaska. You have the native population. You have uh, the the population up there in the fishery. You have uh, you know just your standard population down here. You'd find in the lower 48 and everything in between. And uh, so you've got you've got challenges relative to really individualizing and personalizing to a unique student body. And those principals approach it with. Uh, profoundly positive and encouraging leadership and excitement and enthusiasm, and it's just great. And then uh, I decided to take the brood with me, told, took the whole family uh, with me up to Alaska because I, I figured, why not? And I, I did not regret it. We explored, we saw bears and moose, and the kids fed reindeer, and it was, it was everything that you'd imagine in that sum. 
You know, geographically, I would imagine that they would have some very unique challenges. A lot of times we talk here in the, in the, in the lower 48 about, uh, you know, rural schools and some of the challenges they face. But you think about a place like Alaska. I mean, what are some of the big, big takeaways or what are some of the big things on the priority list for, for those school leaders? Yeah, well, it, you're, you're absolutely right. When you talk about rural challenges in, in Alaska, I mean, so many of the principals had to take flights. Uh, out of their districts or out of their schools just to get into Anchorage, which is where the conference is. I spoke to one principal who is the, uh, the principal and teacher uh, of a school of 60 children out in the bush. And so their, their challenges are, you know, uh, in, in addition to just the regular challenges that we all have in teaching and educating children, their challenges are also like, okay, how do you take a, a, a very remote, uh, a, a remote population and expose them to what the rest of the world has to offer. I mean, that's, that's challenging for those of us who live in corners of suburbia. I can't imagine the challenge that that would be when you are out in the bush working with a group of kids who's been born and raised in the same village and uh, perhaps has never ventured outside the village. And so the nice thing is, uh, you know, technology allows them to explore the world in ways that literally were not possible before. Uh, and so that's one of their challenges. Technology is one of the ways that, one ways that they're meeting those challenges. And then they're doing an awesome job of just staying connected with one another so nobody feels like they're working in silos or in isolation. Uh, the community that they've built up there, uh, it, it feels to me as a visitor, like the entire state of Alaska, uh, even though it's a, a very uh, huge state, is, is almost just like a small town in and of itself. Uh, and it's got that small town feel, small town community, and, and being a kid who's from a small town in eastern Iowa, that, that resonated with me. I've heard you say on numerous occasions that first and foremost, you're a passionate teacher and you're passionate about working with teachers and, and other educators. You're a former teacher yourself. You've been a principal. Uh, you have a coaching background. I think you're even still coaching football, right? I am. I'm still coaching. It's part of my teacher DNA. I, I can't give it up, man. I, I tell myself every year, okay, this is going to be the year that I hang it up and I, I can't. I love it. I love it. So as you think about this passion – what is it that really drives you and motivates you as you get up in the morning and head out the door working with educators? It's the kids, man. It's, it's the kids that motivate me. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in this, as educators, we're in such a unique position to make this profound impact uh, on children every single day. I mean, if anyone doubts the profound impact a teacher has ever had on them, like, Think back to who your kindergarten teacher was. Think back to who your first, second, third grade teacher was. Chances are you can remember the names of those people. Like that's, that's the impact that they have in your life. You know, we spend almost a thousand hours a year with other people's children. And uh, the, the immensity of, of that responsibility is not lost on me. And um, when I became a parent, it, it only magnified uh, the intensity of that responsibility and the feelings I have relative to... Uh, this whole notion that it, it, it takes all of us to raise well-adjusted children. It's a handshake agreement between parents and guardians and, uh, and school teachers and school leaders to say, hey, like, this is important enough that it is worth all of our effort, all of the time, whatever it takes, just to borrow that line from Jimmy Casas. And, you know, when you're, you're, the Bold School book first came out, uh, you know, if you just look at the, the title of the book at face value, the thing that jumped off the page immediately for me was – oh, this is going to be a book about all these bold decisions, all these innovative ideas, but really bold is a mashup for something very different, although there are some wonderful ideas that can help take your school to the next level. Can you speak to that a little bit? 
Yeah, so, uh, so Bold School isn't just a clever title, it's a mashup of the words blended and old, right? As a constant reminder that on the path to blended learning, on the path to innovation, like our old school wisdom that we're bringing to the table needs to come with us. Wisdom informs innovation. Innovation doesn't come from nothingness. And so uh, I, I wrote Bold School because as I started to explore what was going on in the blended learning space, uh, as a teacher and as a school leader, I was really, really concerned because so much of the messaging uh, that people seemed to be getting uh, around blended learning was just around methodologies like station rotation and flip learning and flex. And, and those are great methodologies. I have nothing against those are wonderful. Uh, station rotation is the last chapter in my book for a reason, and we can talk about that. Uh, but it, it, it seemed like we were putting a really, really fine point on blended learning and saying like, this is blended learning. And I was worried because uh, so many of those great teachers of my past who I experienced as a student and so many of my colleagues didn't necessarily fit into that box. And I thought to myself like, the vision for blended learning can't be for all of us to turn into these like flip learning and station rotation clones of one another. Like that can't be the vision. So I started to ask like, you know, like what are the things that we're doing that work with kids? Uh, direct instruction works with kids. It has an effect size of, of six tenths. You know, close reading strategies like reciprocal teaching, those work with kids. Uh, you know, concept mapping works with kids, has an effect size of around 0.67. Interactive video works with kids. Like there are so many things that work with children. And I, want to make I wanted to make sure that our pendulum didn't swing too far. And those things that we've been doing with kids for a long time didn't disappear from our classrooms uh, in the name of this giant pendulum swing. So the question for me became, okay, how do we put high yield instructional strategies into teachers' hands and then allow those teachers to use technology in a way that lifts up those strategies to make them more effective and efficient than they've ever been before, not to replace those strategies altogether because it's not, it's not gonna be the technologies and the methodologies that move the needle for our children. It's gonna be uh, these high yield strategies. These are the things that we know are measured uh, to be effective for kids. So that was, that was really the driving force to say, how do we make sure our great teachers don't get pushed out of the profession as if to say like, they don't know where their place is. Let's make sure to continue to bring them into the fold and lift them up and prop them up. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, you, you know this, we need great teachers now more than ever. And you know, if you look at the, just the basic simple definition of blended learning, it's the combination of using digital tools with traditional classroom methods. But uh, if, you, if you dive into the book and you have a chance to listen um, to the experts on blended learning, that just scratches the surface. There's so much more to uh, the pedagogy and the methodology and how you want to incorporate blended learning in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if the, the other thing I discovered is when you start to look at elements of really complex blended learning, uh, elements like flip learning and station rotation, uh, again, like I, 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 you mentioned it, I have the heart of a teacher. I have the heart of a practitioner. When you start to implement those strategies, what you discover really immediately is it's challenging. It's really challenging. I mean, take something like station rotation. Station rotation is a challenge to implement because you have to have typically at least three stations, right? You have to divide up kids in those stations. Uh, kids at two of those stations have to operate basically independent from you, the teacher, who's going to be stationed at one area, hopefully working at doing small group remediation. All three of those stations have to take almost the exact same amount of time for kids to finish the task, and none of those tasks can build on each other. Because if a student starts at station two, they can't need the information from station one, right? And so what teachers were starting to find is that like, man, station rotation is hard. And if you can't get just digitally enhanced instruction, 
which is, hey, here's how I can use like Kahoot or Poll Everywhere or some sort of other feedback tool, tool to lift up direct instruction, a thing I already do. If you can't get direct, a digitally enhanced instruction to work well, then complex sorts of blended learning are gonna be a real, real struggle. And so it, it was the same as anything. We gotta scaffold with kids when we're talking about building their skill sets, and we gotta scaffold with teachers as well. And I, I, I had a, a conversation with Heather Staker, who co-authored uh, Blended, uh, the book Blended with Michael Horn, and she was in, in complete agreement that, you know, a, a book like Bold School is essentially the gateway drug to, uh, I mean, forgive the reference, but to a book like Blended. And it, and it works perfectly because the last chapter in Bold School is on station rotation, which feeds directly into Blended, which talks about more complex elements uh, of blended learning, including station rotation and flipped and a la carte and flex models. You know, like yourself, I also have, a, have an extensive coaching background. While you coach football, I was a, a basketball coach at the high school level in Illinois for quite some time before I moved into school administration. Nice. Do you miss it, man? Do you miss it? I do miss it. I try to go to as many games as I can. Uh, I don't miss um, – there's some of it I don't miss, but I do miss it on game night. You know, you know <laughs> what I'm you. saying. I but hear you. You talk about station rotation, and, and the, the old coach in me goes back to uh, running basketball camps and you put kids in, the, in these different stations. So there would be a passing station, a shooting station, a defensive station, a rebounding station. And my memory of those times is those kids just hated that. Yeah. It wasn't something that they, they got excited about. They like playing. They like yeah. team building. They like interacting with one another. But it's no different in the classroom than it would be in the gym, right? Yeah, absolutely. Great teaching is great coaching. Great coaching is great teaching. And you can find tons of overlap between those things. And oftentimes the kids don't get excited about it or they like, let's, you know, whether teachers want to believe it or not, kids want time with you. They want time with you. They don't want to, you know, exist in a classroom where they spend most of their time separated from you and working in isolation from both you. And, and the problem with some of these stations and station rotations is they're in isol they're isolated from both the teacher and the goal of the teacher is to keep them quiet. So now they're isolated from each other. And so basically you've got a two thirds chunk of time there in class where kids are not connected with their teacher or with one another. And the only thing they're connected with is the content. And when I think about like the trifecta of what blended learning should look like, sound like, feel like, it should be kids consistently engaged with the teacher, with the tech and with one another. And you know, on this podcast, uh, we spend a lot of time talking about uh, systematically you know, we're still kind of locked into that old industrial model, and there are problems uh, if you think about the big picture. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that great things aren't happening in schools around the world. It doesn't mean we don't have great teachers. Yeah. It just means that systematically, you know, I want to have a conversation about what we can do to engage a new generation of digital kids to give them a more relevant 21st century learning experience. You probably have a little, uh, well, you probably have a similar take, but you also have a different take in the fact that, that you really believe that we just need to look at it differently, that there are great things happening every day throughout the country. I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I say all the time, education is not broken. That is a bold statement I say in almost every keynote that I give, and I can't believe for the life of me that it's a bold statement, but it's true. Education is not broken. Now, does, do, do our schoolhouses need to be more dynamic places that follow a less industrialized model, model and a more innovative model? Yes, absolutely they do. Absolutely, right? Education needs a bit of a facelift, needs a, a bit of a renovation, bit of an upgrade, but the system is not broken. 
right? And I, and, and I find it insulting when people say like, oh, education is broken. It's insulting to all the practitioners who came before us. It's insulting to all the practitioners who are in classrooms right now as we speak, doing amazing work on behalf of children. And it's, and it's, it's entirely untrue. It's entirely untrue, this notion that education is broken. One of the things that I show in my keynotes all the time is like, it, I ask people if they know what the graduation rate was in 1910. And in 1910, the graduation rate nationwide was 8%. And that's not 8% of all kids. We only graduated 8% of the kids that we allowed to go to high school. You used to have to take a test to get into high school, and you used to have to look exactly like me to get into high school. You had to be white, you had to be male, you had to take a test, and we graduated 8% of our kids. And in 2011, the graduation rate, we figured out a way to standardize how we measure graduation rates. In 2011, the graduation rate had grown to 79%. The year after, 80%, then 81%, 82, 83, 84% by 2016. And so that's, that's upward mobility, that's growth. Like we are educating more children from more diverse socioeconomic backgrounds than ever before with greater rigor than ever before. One of the, one of the test questions to get into high school in 1910 used to be name the five senses. If you can name the five senses, uh, when you, uh, as a, high school, a potential high school student in 1910, people were like, wow, that kid is high school ready. I mean, like, uh, ours is not a broken system. It is a system in need of some remodeling and renovation. And we can do that. We can do that with the tools that kids are already bringing to class. We can do that with the tools that we're already investing in. And it doesn't necessarily necessitate knocking down all the walls in our building and changing the bell schedule. Because for some, for some school leaders, that's just not a reality right now. It would, it would create such an uproar within the community that we've got to ease into the blended learning space in a way that's a bit more palatable. And, and Bold school is the vehicle through which people can do that. And, you know, the people out there that listen to this podcast know that I've been blessed to have some wonderful guests talking about some, some wonderful issues. But it's also, I was just talking to a colleague this morning. It's also getting to the point for me a little bit as I have these conversations that we're kind of getting to the point where we're all over the place. Yeah. I mean, from, from design thinking to deeper learning to competency-based instruction, project-based yeah. learning. I just talked to Mark Prinsky about accomplished-based uh, tracks uh, that so you can have a school within a school model. It's just getting to the point where teachers just don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. At the end of the day, it's just about good teaching and relating to kids. Yes, let's lean into the things that we know work. Highly effective instructional strategy and relationships. Like it's, it's <laughs> you know, it, a, a lot of folks are out there just really trying to find that, you know, that silver bullet, like that, what's the magic wand that I can wave? Is it, you know, is it going to be PBL? And, and again, I have nothing against any of those strategies or methodologies, but the fact of the matter is it's, it's, you know, for any teacher listening, like if, if you want to lean into something, lean into proven pedagogy and relationships, they will never fail you. They will never fail you. And if we're using technology to lift up proven, proven pedagogy, and if we're using technology as a means to increase the number of touch points between ourselves and children, like, that's, I mean, that's, start there. Start there, and those two things will never, ever lead you astray. Furthermore, those two things will never, ever in education go out of style. Great teaching and relationships with kids will, you know, since the dawn of the one-room schoolhouse, have been the secret sauce, and they will continue to be the secret sauce. And you know this better than anyone, so I feel like I'm preaching to the choir a little bit, but the technology piece is still largely overwhelming to people because there's just so much out there. Yeah, there's, it, it, it's, it's shocking what's out there. I, 
I, I consider myself to be really, really knowledgeable and fully immersed in what's going on in the ed tech community. And it's over, it's overwhelming for me at times. And so for teachers who don't have uh, the time to invest that, you know, I get to invest in, in, in looking at technology. I, I understand that completely. It, it is profoundly overwhelming. And, and what I would encourage teachers to do is, you know, start really simple. Like one of the things I ask, Greg, one of the things I ask teachers all the time when I'm, when I'm coaching them is what's the thing you're awesome at, you know, like it, connect with that. What is the thing that you are awesome at? Are you the Socratic seminar master of the universe? Cause if that's the thing that you're awesome at and that's the thing that you love, your challenge is to figure out, okay, what tech tools exist out there that, that can lift up that methodology to make you even better and more efficient. Like I subscribe to a strength-based coaching model. It's what everyone who's successful at anything does, right? They, co they, they seek out coaching of course, according to their strengths and they elevate their strengths and that's where you become successful, right? And so I, I ask teachers the same thing. And, and, and one of the sad things I find is too few teachers can tell me the thing that they're awesome at because they're, we're really hard on ourselves. You know, you go and you know that you go and you coach up a teacher, you ask them, Oh, how do you think this class went? They will go immediately to the negative, immediately to the negative, start to go to the positive, start to figure out what is the thing that you are great at and what technological tools are out there that can lift that up. It, it puts you in a place where you don't have to learn new pedagogy. You can just learn the technology because if you try to learn new pedagogy and new technology, both at the same time, it's going to seem far too overwhelming and it's not going to be a thing that you're going to likely come back to. And, you know, it seems like too many times we're, we're real quick to talk about the tool. You know, I have people that want to tell me what they did with Kahoot or what they did with this or what they did yeah. with that. And that's great if it was relevant and part of your classroom instruction and kids are learning and got something out of it. Uh, engagement, obviously, it is a big key. But if you think about how we're using technology, and I love talking with, to people like you that, that are actually out there helping teachers understand how to use digital tools in the classroom. But I always come back to this. If, if your students can Google the question or ask Siri, it probably wasn't a very good question to start with. So Agreed. you're going to have to completely rethink your lesson plans and what the goals are for the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we've, we've, got to move, we've got to move kids to a place of authentic problem solving and, and, and asking and answering their own rigorous and relevant questions. And so you're, you're, you're hundred percent right. You're hundred percent right. And too often we get really, really focused on the tools and that's because of a, a really simple, uh, a really simple thing that happens in our brains whenever we discover something new or exciting, right? We uh, oftentimes we will discover something new and exciting. We'll go out and we'll discover an amazing tool like auto draw. Auto draw is this amazing tool. It's a drawing platform, but what's special about auto draw is it's equipped with artificial intelligence. It will make a guess about what you are drawing and then provide you a suggestion to help you draw either faster or better depending on your competency. It's a really cool tool. And so what happens for teachers is they'll explore a tool like that and their brain will immediately go to the place of like, ooh, auto draw is really awesome. What am I gonna do with auto draw tomorrow? Bam, right there. Right in that moment, like that's where kids lose. That's where kids lose become, because the focus becomes the tool. And we have to start to rearrange our thinking and our mindset. We have to think more robustly about design. 
It can't just be what am I going to do with insert tech tool here tomorrow. It's got to be what is my rigorous and relevant learning outcome? What highly effective strategy is going to help kids meet that outcome? And can auto draw support that strategy to make it more effective and efficient than it's ever been so that kids can meet that outcome? Like that's the thinking methodology we have to start to possess. It's got to be more intentional and things have to be more rightly ordered than just this tool is awesome. How am I going to use this tool tomorrow? Yeah, and I also think that, you know, at some point, using technology has to be about how we can better solve problems. And, yes. and as we use those tech tools and collaborate, you know, one of my favorite movies, I'm sure you're a movie guy, you spend a lot oh, of yeah. time in airports and on the plane. One of my favorite movies is The Internship, that old movie with, with Bruce Vaughn and, um, and Owen Wilson yeah, uh, going to too. Google and working as interns. It's a great but, movie. The, it is a great movie. But the thing that uh, I just watched it again not too long ago, and I was talking to my wife at that time, and I thought, you know what? Why can't schools use some kind of um, system like that in which we give kids problems to solve and give them the tools they need to solve them with technology? I mean, I, that would just make sense to me, but it's hard to do because it's not going to be in Chapter 3 of your textbook. No, it's not. And it's going to be hard to do because it's not in Chapter 3 of the textbook, and it necessitates relinquishing a lot of control in the classroom, which is like, ooh, danger, danger, scary, scary. Um, the, the, the hard thing is it, it requires us to relinquish some control, and then all of a sudden, the classroom looks and sounds very different than it has in the past. And so this is a place where teachers and school leaders need to get on the same page. There's a lot of teachers out there who are eager to get into the problem solving space, but they have this level of nervousness and anxiety that if one of the school leaders walks into the room while authentic problem solving is happening, it's not going to look right. And as such, like it may be reflected poorly in their evaluation. I was talking to a teacher, uh, I was talking to a teacher the other day, uh, one of the teachers I coached who said uh, she has like jumped fully into the problem solving space and this exact thing happened. A principal walked in and when the principal walked in, it, it looked and felt a little chaotic and the teacher was like, oh, you know, Jenny, I'm sorry, like I'll come back when you're teaching an actual lesson. And that teacher had to say, and I was so proud of her for this, that teacher had to say like, no, no, come in, like this is what class looks like for us. Here's the problem they're working on. Here's how we've modeled problem solving. Here are the interventions that I'm, uh, that I'm applying throughout the problem solving process. And she, in that moment, was an, an ambassador for a more innovative model of instruction. And I was so proud of her, A, for venturing into that space, and then B, for being an ambassador to her school leader so that her school leader didn't think like, oh man, like this is not what teaching looks like. And now we're all on the same page. And that's that's the level of communication and trust that needs to take place in order for some of these methodologies to start to take hold. So if you think about teachers in the classroom that are listening to the podcast or maybe a, a principal somewhere, superintendent, and, uh, the, you know, again, go out and buy the book, Bold School, because uh, Wes does have a framework within the book that's going to kind of lead you down the path uh, to create better opportunities for kids in the classroom. But if you're going to give advice to those folks listening, uh, about how they can make some changes and how they can really incorporate uh, a successful blended learning concept, uh, where would you start with them? I would start in two places, one of which we already talked about, right? So one of which is, um, you know, figure out the thing that you're awesome at, 
What is the thing that you are great at? Is it direct instruction? Is it questioning? Is it feedback? Um, is it Socratic seminar? Is it close reading? Figure out the thing that you are awesome at that, and that you, that you love and try to really cultivate that and hone that skill, hone that instructional strategy and figure out where technology lives to boost that up, make it more effective and efficient. That's step one, right? Uh, number two, I would say immerse yourself in a culture of observation and feedback, right? Uh, invite other people into your classroom to say, Hey, I'm going to try this instructional strategy with this digital tool. Like I, I need you to put eyes on it for me. Like, let me know what's hot and what's not. And then immerse, immerse yourself in uh, observation uh, on the other end. If you've got other teachers who you admire or who you think uh, embody a skill set that you want to possess, ask, like put yourself in the vulnerable position of saying like, Hey, I think you're really good at this. Like, is there any any chance I can take to come in and watch you do the thing that you do? Uh, it's it's a thing that happens too infrequently in our classrooms. I am shocked at the amazing things that I see in classrooms all over the country and all around the world. Like, you would not believe some of the amazing things that are that teachers are doing in some of the most remote places on the planet, and no one knows they're doing it. Because ours is not always a culture uh, that values observation. We, we tend to get to a place where we close the door to that classroom and we do great stuff and we keep it right here. Um, so those, those are the two big places I would invite a teacher to start. What's the thing that you're awesome at? How can you cultivate it? Use technology to lift it up. And then to immerse yourself in a culture of observation. Invite others in and invite yourself in to watch others. So that sounds like the possibility of a new book project if you can run out and discover all these great things that are happening and, and tell the world about it, right? That's, that's all, it's all I did for the first book, Greg. I, 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 don't, I don't claim to have found anything new in Bold School. All, I, all I've tried to do is really succinctly present, here are the things that the world's most masterful teachers are doing right now. I have completely stood on their shoulders and credited them in the book with the amazing things that they've done. Uh, and I've tried to just make it easy for t uh, to say, hey, come along with me. Let me put you in my pocket and, and show you what amazing teachers are doing uh, in their classrooms. Well, Wes, I'm a big fan of your work. Folks, get out and get Bold School. It is a great read and it will certainly help you improve your, your classroom and your school. Uh, Wes, I do want to give you a closing thought as we wrap things up. Where can we find you and what's on the docket for you this fall? Absolutely. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wes underscore Kieschnick. Uh, you can find my podcast, uh, Teaching Keating, that I do with my wife. It is uh, uh, also out there in the podcast space and uh, you can find it on Google Play. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on iTunes or on CoachWeston.com. Um, uh, or you can find me traveling all over the country. I just got back from Alaska. Uh, I'll be speaking at State College in uh, Pennsylvania next week. Um, not long after that, I will be in uh, Iowa. I will be out in California. I'll be down in Texas. I'll be uh, all over the place. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm keeping, keep an eye out for me at a, at a conference near you, uh, and I'll be at uh, Leadership Academy down in Atlanta. Um, on November the, how to have, uh, sir, Google Leadership Academy. People can find me at that. Well, thanks, Wes, for your time. Again, it was a great conversation. I could talk with you all day about blended learning and technology in our schools. Um, so be sure to follow Wes on social media. Be sure to check out the website and uh, check out the book, Bold School. So once again, I want to thank all of our loyal listeners to the Reimagined Schools podcast. And as always, folks, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. 
Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimaginedschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to drgreggoins at gmail.com or on Twitter at drgreggoins.